From the Daily Northwestern, this is The Weekly. I'm Shane McKeon. The people who decry safe spaces do it from their segregated housing places, from their jobs without diversity. They do it from their country clubs. It just drives me nuts. That's University President Morty Shapiro speaking to new students last week. Shapiro defended safe spaces during his convocation address for freshman transfers at the end of Wildcat Welcome. Since then, we here at The Daily have gotten a few letters from alumni criticizing his comments, and we've gotten columns from students defending them. We'll hear from both sides in a bit, but first, let's listen to a little more of his speech. Now, there's a lot of confusion out there about whether this generation isn't resilient enough, that you're too coddled, that we really need to sit, prepare you for a difficult world. I gotta tell you, people who don't believe in microaggressions don't have any memory of their own lives. You know what microaggression is? When you're with your friends or people you think are your friends and they say something that cuts you to the core. I think I could give you 10 microaggressions, I'm 63, in my whole life and I remember every one of them like they happened yesterday. So people will say there's no such things as microaggressions are just idiots, I gotta tell you. If they say, if they say that trigger warnings, you know, trigger warnings, don't tell somebody that, you know, there's, it's, it, there's a movie and it's about the Holocaust or it's a movie about lynching black people or it's a movie about, you know, beating up queer people, you know, that somehow you shouldn't be warned to prepare yourself psychologically for that, that somehow that's coddling. Those people are lunatics. I mean, what, did they ever live? I mean, come on. Somehow conflate that with with undermining the First Amendment. I mean, do they understand anything about this country, about the struggles that make this country what it is and what will make this country better? What are they thinking about? They're finally safe spaces. I mean, you nuts. I mean, this idea that somehow you shouldn't have safe spaces. You know, the world's uncomfortable. This place is uncomfortable, right? You're going to be uncomfortable in the classroom. You're going to be uncomfortable in the dining halls. You're going to be uncomfortable all the time. You don't deserve a place to feel safe. Again, that was University President Morty Shapiro speaking to new students during their convocation last Monday. The speech wasn't Shapiro's first time defending safe spaces. In August, he co-wrote an op-ed in the LA Times saying protests on college campuses are a sign of progress. He also defended trigger warnings. That op-ed came just days after a letter from the dean of students at the University of Chicago, which went viral. The U Chicago dean wrote to new students and said that the university does not support what he called, quote, intellectual safe spaces or trigger warnings. Shapiro's op-ed inspired Northwestern alum Dick Reef to write to us. Reef graduated from Medill in 1964. Will NU dump PC paranoia? That's the headline of his letter to the editor. In it, he writes, President Shapiro wants NU students treated as coddled millennials, sheltered from reality by politically correct cocoons. Safe spaces for racial, ethnic, and religious groups are a throwback to the segregationist-era doctrine of separate but equal facilities. Then this week, Fox News contributor Guy Benson, who graduated from Medill in 2007, wrote a saying that, you know, no one would object to a professor giving students a heads up before discussing a traumatic topic. But, he writes, the issue is the over-application and weaponization of these concepts to stifle and delegitimize opinions that depart from the prevailing zeitgeist. 
When the pseudoscientific term microaggression is flung about promiscuously to cut short reasoned debate or dodge the adult reality of sometimes encountering uncomfortable words and ideas, there's a problem. Of course, these two men have not been college students in a while, so now let's hear from one. Joining us now is Sky Patterson. She represents four members only in ASG Senate, and she wrote a column responding to Dick Reeves' letter to the editor about safe spaces. Welcome, Sky. Hi, thanks for having me, Shane. So the name of your column was The Cost of Diversity. Can you tell me exactly what that cost is? Right. So the cost of diversity is basically making sure um, a university or, or any any space um, it is conducive to um, diverse people. Basically, making sure that marginalized students, black students, Latino students, um, people with disabilities, women, uh, are able to thrive in that space um, and succeed. In your column, you write, if colleges want diversity, they have to create an environment where diversity can exist. Diversity is not free. What do you mean by that exactly? Basically, what I mean by diversity is not free I think that many universities profit off of um, marginalized students by putting them on their pamphlets, um, making it seem like, oh, our school, look, uh, we're so inclusive. We, we have lots of, you know, they'll put like an Asian student and a black student and um, a Latino student um, on, on a pamphlet and like maybe one white person or, or none at all. And then it, it gives the perception to like prospective students and, and people looking at these outreach pamphlets that um, the school isn't as, as white as it actually is. And then, well, when you get here, then you find out that it actually is um, and so that's very much like a public relations or like a marketing tool for the school Mar- they're marketing their diversity I don't think universities should be able to to use marginalized students in that way in order to market themselves without putting in the hard work it takes to make those students actually feel comfortable at their school it seems like a lot of the confusion with the U Chicago letter and with Dick Reef's letter is that the term safe space in those letters by people who are not college students, they're kind of using it as like an academic concept, um, like it's kind of a space where you don't have to engage with certain academic material. Can you kind of clear up the definition of safe space that you're using? Because I think it's a definition that most students on this campus are using. Right. So my definition of safe space, it could look some, a safe space can look something like the Hillel House. Um, it could look like the Black House. It could look like the Women's Center. It could look like the Catholic Show Center, um, a place for students who identify a certain way to go um, and, and just be comfortable, to relax, um, not have to worry about um, answering questions or, or, or monitoring themselves self-consciously. Um, I think Dean Ellison um, thinks safe spaces are something like where you go if you don't want to be ever challenged, uh, if you don't want your opinion to ever be questioned. That's not what it is. First off, when, you, when you're going to a place like the Black House, you're probably not looking to like engage in a rigorous academic debate. And so I think you can have... Um, academic freedom in a classroom and have that classroom be a safe space because a safe space is just a space where there is respect and decency and so you can grapple with controversial issues. I can disagree with you Shane on something and I can do that in a very respectful manner without calling you any names without uh, attacking your identity in any way um, and that can happen and that's all that a safe space means where where there's a, a free exchange of ideas um, there's inquiry, there's, there's thought, um, and there can even be controversy, but we do it in a respectful manner. Sky Patterson is the senator for four members only in ASG. 
She wrote us a column last week called The Cost of Diversity. Thank you for joining us, Sky. It was a pleasure being here. Thank you so much, Shane. Exhausting. That's one word a university task force used to describe the experience of black students at Northwestern. The task force released a 150-page report last week documenting the ways black students feel unwelcome at the school and the obstacles those students face. Our own Nicole Fallert sat down with the Daily's Mariana Alfaro, who's been following this story. So Mariana, can you tell me what the task force found? Yeah, so this task force, the Black Student Experience Task Force, uh, was created by uh, Vice President for Student Affairs, Patricia Tellis Irvin, back in spring 2015 because she and other members of the administration wanted to look at how Black students feel at Northwestern, they feel on campus, they feel in their classes and on their off-campuses live. And basically they left us with 14 recommendations of what Northwestern can do to make Black students feel more comfortable in their environment here, feel more safe, and going through Northwestern life just as any other student does. I know this is a very data-rich report. It's 150 pages long. Can you talk us through some of these numbers we're looking at? So I think the most impactful data for me was um, how Northwestern is or is not a safe space for Black students. 32% of Black students said they somewhat disagree with this idea. 20% said they strongly disagree. So when you think about it, half of Northwestern population of Black students don't feel safe in school. Another thing that shocked me was that um, black senior undergraduates who report that they are very satisfied with their undergraduate education has dropped in the last six years. Um, in the class of 2016, only 12% of black senior undergraduates said that they are very satisfied with Northwestern undergraduate education. So let's say I'm not super familiar with this topic. Can you walk me through some of the vocabulary you're using, like safe or better? What might uh, examples of some of those words look like? I think a, a repeated theme or, or term used uh, when we discuss the Black Student Report is the term safe space, which has been in our lingo for the last year. And safe space is a place where any student, any person can go and feel completely at ease with their identities, can feel like they're not going to be targeted or insulted for anything they might believe in or they might be. When we also talk about um, undergraduate satisfaction, I think it also comes to how Northwestern is serving black undergraduates, what resources Northwestern has for them, what funds Northwestern is putting into their groups, what funds Northwestern is putting into the Black House and the Multicultural Center. Can you define and explain these recommendations for us? Um, yeah, so there were 14 recommendations, which basically are what the committee are recommending Northwestern to do in order to amp up the satisfaction rate and also make the school a safer space for black students. One of the biggest ones, or probably the most important one, is the increase in number of black students, faculty, and staff on campus. Currently, I think the number it ranges around like 6 to 8% of campus is uh, black, which is really not reflective of the U.S. population. And I think that's the biggest problem when you don't have the diversity on campus and you don't have someone who looks like you in your class. That just makes you feel more and more and more uncomfortable. The people I interviewed for the story just kept telling me, like, it sucks to go to class and be the only black person in class. It sucks to be in my PA group and be the only PA member who's black. They're asking for more black faculty on campus. Same as it goes with students. If you have more representation in your faculty, there's more topics being discussed. There's more diversity in opinion. 
Another other recommendations that really I thought was really important is how um, they continuously talked about Wildcat Welcome and pre-orientation opportunities being more open for minority students. Another thing that was really important in the recommendations was to have more programming implemented throughout the year in which African-American and Black students can connect with older students to create more of an alumni network. Another other recommendation is uh, the idea to listen to Black students regularly. One of the people I interviewed for my story last week told me that sometimes black students have to resort to um, protests or like viral Facebook posts in order to be heard by the university administration. And one of the recommendations here is recommendation number nine um, is saying that the administration should get to know and listen to black students regularly, not just in times of crisis, which means more interaction between faculty and students, more interaction between students and administrative positions in order to have a better conversation about what is actually bothering black students instead of like administration finding out once they're on the tip of protest. So I think if you have constant conversation, it will be easier to know what's going wrong faster and more effectively. This is the first of um, different committees that Student Affairs Office is working on. There will be soon a committee to study uh, the experience of transgender students on campus and the experiences of veteran students on campus. I think it's important to note that the university is trying to see what these experiences are like in order to make the school a safer space or just a better environment for these students. And now for more on the report, we'll hear from Max Vinson. Max is the executive vice president of ASG, and he was one of just four students on the task force. Our own Clara Fahey sat down with him. You said that a lot of times you feel like you're the only one, the only black student. Uh, How does that make you feel, and how has that affected your academic experience at Northwestern? I remember the first time I was struggling in a class, it made me think, maybe I am just here for affirmative action. Maybe I am just here for diversity, that I'm not actually talented enough to be here. And so getting your head like that, um, it really devalues you. It causes depression in a lot of students, like myself included. And it makes you feel like you're really not worthy of the opportunities that you have. And so I think that it takes a lot to conquer that, to get over that, to um, realize that, like, you know, you are an incredible talent. You know, you do belong here. And I think that that really just tells what the Black student experience is. It's where, you know, for me, it takes me 21 years to realize that I'm a talented individual worthy of all the opportunities that are presented for me. And so academically, you know, it makes you feel like you can't really ask for help. Otherwise, what is everyone else going to think? Are they going to form these opinions about you? So what do you hope that this report accomplishes? I hope that it paves the way for other reports like this and also a continuous process in which um, the university takes the time to think about why are, you know, black students dissatisfied, but also, you know, going even that one step further because right after black students, Asian students are the next most dissatisfied group on campus. And then, you know, Applying that to all the students that they, you know, feel the need to put on brochures, but not actually care about when they're on campus. I think about uh, Walk Out Welcome. That was the first time I realized, you know what, like, I was the only black student in my PA group. So again, you know, the only black student thing. You realize, I'm not going to have this picture-perfect experience. Because when you think about dissatisfaction, that's kind of what comes out of it. You know, what is dissatisfaction? It's the university promised me something and I'm not getting it. And so I realized that, you know, a lot of these experiences that I see in these brochures that I, you know, heard about in presentations, like, they're not necessarily built for me. This university wasn't built for me. And so I have to, you know, finagle my way around it to have a good experience. I have to work that much harder just because of my identity. What do you feel is the most important step that the university needs to take to make the Northwestern experience more inclusive for black students? Uh, listening to black students, making sure that black students are heard, making sure that um, black students have a voice in you know, the actions that the university takes that affect them. I think that there's, it, you know, 
it seems weird when we value Charles Cullum, who's the director of MSA, who used to be the director of African American Student Affairs, um, so much because you know he's on the ground, he's working with us, he's um, listening to us. But it feels like there's just this disconnect from him um, to you know the higher levels of the university, where there's no way for us to communicate how we're feeling. And I think that when the university is going off of nothing. Pretty, like you know, no real understanding of how black students feel. Then situations like, um, you know, the proposed changes to the Black House last year is what results. Good evening from Hofstra University in Hempstead, New York. I'm Lester Holt. I want to welcome you to the first presidential debate. No presidential contest in memory has had two candidates who are as unsupported as these two candidates are. That was political science professor Jeffrey Winters hosting a debate watch party at Norris on Monday night. More than 200 students and faculty were there watching, listening, and occasionally heckling the TV screen in Norbucks. Here's Winters again setting some expectations. They are looking at this election as a contest between oh my god and okay. It's rather like why people go to watch the Indy 500. Cars go in a circle 500 times and people keep watching and it's, they're waiting for the crash. It is very high drama to know that at any moment something incredible might happen. Hillary Clinton has been portrayed as an incredibly well-informed person who on top of being well-informed studied. Therefore, the expectation is incredibly high. Donald Trump um, has been portrayed as someone who hasn't prepped, um, doesn't need to, he's just going to walk out. In fact, the bar has been set so low that some media have said if he basically shows up and doesn't vomit, he wins. The crowd of Northwestern students at Norris was not especially friendly towards Trump. Uh, our jobs are fleeing the country. They're going to Mexico, they're going to the not everyone on campus is laughing, though. We spoke to some college Republicans to find out how they feel about their candidate this election season. We should note that the college Republicans decided last week to not endorse Donald Trump. Well, he wasn't my first choice. Um, there were a number of people that I wanted over him along the way. First it was Scott Walker, Carly Fiorina, uh, then John Kasich, and then pretty much anyone. That's Grandpapa Stefan, the events coordinator of College Republicans. Probably the reason I've decided that I will vote for him more than anything else is just because of the influences around me. I see the way the media covers Trump. I see the way my peers talk about him and talk about people who support him. It's made Trump grow on me because... More than anything, I sort of want to stick it to that system of having the media and having these people around you, you know, dictate what you can and can't do. Grant's not the only one who sees Trump largely as an anti-establishment candidate. My name is Sammy Quaddle. Not only am I a Republican on a college campus, but I'm also a Latino Republican. Speaking about conservative politics on a college campus won't lead to anything good. A lot of Bernie Sanders voters on campus would find some common ground with Trump. Fixing the trade deals would help a lot of skilled American workers. Letting less unskilled immigrants in the country would help young Latino workers, a lot of young African American voters, even young white workers. Despite his discomfort talking about Donald Trump on campus, Sammy says he does plan to vote for the billionaire on election day. I would be slightly more comfortable with a future 
with four years of Trump. I'm not going to say eight. If you missed this debate or just want some more, don't worry. There are three more debates before Election Day. The next one is on October 4th when the vice presidential candidates will sit down with each other. That's our show. The Weekly is a production of the Daily Northwestern, Northwestern and Evanston's only daily news source since 1881. Thank you to our audio editor, Corey Mueller, and to the entire Daily Audio team. Alex Letterman, Juliet Johnson, and Isabel Robertson produced pieces for this week's show. If you want to join the Daily or want to help us make this show, head on over to dailynorthwestern.com and click the Join Us button. I'm Shane McKeon. Thanks for listening.